Well, if you've been tuned out or tuned in, excuse me, throughout the week, it's no secret to you, but Mike Steely is off. He's on spring break this weekend. I am Parker Thune in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios here at the Ref Sports Radio Network, joined for the entire week on this program by one Travis Davidson, the pride of green country. Travis, how we doing on this Thursday? I am doing wonderfully. Got a, a nice big walk-in today, feeling good. Uh, yeah, you know, big big weekend coming up recruiting-wise. A little bit depressed about uh, basketball last night, but it is what it is. I tell you what, we had a really fun show yesterday. Travis, of course, joined Tyler McComas for the rush from 3 to 6, but I was on with Drake Dyken from 12 to 2, and... Got to know a lot of you on a first-name basis because I specified, hey, add your name when you hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, so that we can know all the individuals of the Ref Army that we're dealing with on any particular day. Now, uh, March officially opened yesterday, first of the month. The dead period in recruiting is over. We're three weeks away from OU Spring Football. We just basically had one big Q&A for two hours yesterday on the air. Spring football questions, concerns, thoughts, air them out on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I know we had a lot of questions that we did not get to yesterday during this two-hour block of the day. So if you had a question yesterday and it didn't get answered, fire away today. Again, 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. This hour of the program is brought to you by Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Whether you're looking to repair, replace, or maintain your air conditioning system, call Lasher, family-owned and operated, servicing the greater Oklahoma City area since 2007, 405-579-3113 for all your heating and air needs. Again, 405-651-3439. That is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. And Travis, (laughs) feels like we've been... At, at the very least, attempting to prolong the eulogy for OU basketball for several weeks now. But I don't think we have to prolong it any further after the Sooners went up to Bramlage Coliseum last night and dropped a game, dropped another conference game to fall to 4-13 and 13 in the Big 12 at the hands of the Kansas State Wildcats. Oklahoma now 14-16. and 16. They will finish the regular season with a losing record in Porter Moser's second year at the helm. All in all... A disappointing campaign for the Sooners men's hoops program. And I think at long last, we can officially draw the conclusion that OU will not be appearing in the NCAA tournament in the year of our Lord 2023. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we were we were trying, man. We were trying to talk ourselves into it, trying to talk others into it. And just the sliver of hope. We even said everything has to break your way. And luckily, the basketball gods went ahead and said, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and shut this down now so you don't have to worry about it. You can focus on, uh, you know, spring recruiting. He brought, uh, I feel like the sports gods were just waiting until the dead period was over. And they were like, okay, cool, dead period over, boom, now we're on to football. So I think what one of the announcers said last night, one of the national broadcasters said last night, um, really stuck out to me. And he said, you're only as good as your seniors. And I thought that was poignant because Kansas State seniors, I mean, they were hitting 30-footers. They were throwing 
between-the-leg passes to each other in transition and tomahawk dunks and, I mean, massive, massive big plays, great energy, everything like that. Uh, and then I, I looked at our roster, and I looked at actually just the starters. With two minutes left in the game, uh, once it was, kind of, you know, completely, uh, you know, out of reach and it was just kind of free throws from then on out, um, OU, out of their five starters, their two true freshman starters, obviously, Otega Owe and Milos Uzan, went 15 of 26, 3 of 5 from the three-point line for a combined 38 points. The other three starters for the Sooners are all seniors. They went for 5 for 20, 2 of 11 for three, uh, from the three-point line for 15 points combined. Now, I say that to say I know we can sit here and say, hey, the future's bright, future's bright, and I know that's a tired argument, but... I mean, the core foundation of Porter's guys, like Porter's guys, those are the two true freshmen. I have no reason to believe that they'll transfer out. Um, And then you you add two top 100 players next year. And, Parker, I think this team, I think Porter can go into the portal and get big guys so much easier if he can say, hey, look, you're going to be playing with one of the best, you know, backcourts in the league, eventually probably one of the best backcourts in the nation. What are you saying? Well, and I think it's a compelling pitch that Porter can present to big men in the portal, right? Look, we are <laughs> – well, I guess what, what he can – the way he can phrase it to any big men that express interest in coming to Oklahoma is, look, we're in the midst of making the transition from an absolute buzzsaw of a conference in the Big 12 to a much easier basketball conference in the SEC – that's going to boost our program. That's going to help our bottom line. But also, when you look at what we have at our disposal in the backcourt with guys like Uwe and Milos Uzan, come be the dominant front court that this program has lacked for so long that has consistently held it back in a very difficult Big 12 conference. And that, in conjunction with the pending move to the SEC, could be enough to make us a top 25 team in the years ahead. And so I it's not I, I don't want to sugarcoat anything. I don't want to make it seem like I'm sugarcoating anything. It's been a rough year for OU basketball. But if Porter Moser can keep his young backcourt cogs in place, as it would turn out, I apparently Milos Uzan has some pretty impressive NBA draft stock already. So keeping him around may be more difficult than we all anticipated it was going to be. But if you keep Uwe and Yuzan around in particular and you're able to maintain a few more of those scholarship contributors from this year and keep them on the roster heading into the 2023-24 season and you can go to the portal and you can buttress the roster that you've already built with a couple of dominant big men or at the very least a couple guys that can hold their own alongside the elite bigs in the Big 12, the likes of Fardos Imac, et cetera. If that's what you can assemble at Oklahoma, then I think, A, you're back in the tournament conversation next year in the Big 12. Because to be honest, and we talked about this yesterday, you weren't that far off in 2023. Really weren't. The Sooners lost, what, five, six games by a single possession? Mm-hmm. So, again, much like the football team, yeah, the record is not what you would like it to be, but it just as easily could have been substantially better if just a few of those games 
had gone their way, if just a few of those final shots had gone down for Oklahoma. So I don't think they're that far off from being a tournament team, even though they are going to finish with a sub-500 record. They'll be back in the in tournament contention next year, provided they can add size and add a dominant interior presence. And then once you make the transition to the SEC, I think that opens things up tremendously, Travis. That's going to make things much, much easier for Porter Moser and this basketball program. No, I agree. And, again, I think specifically, I mean, down the stretch, I mean, I'm buying up any Otega Owe stock that's available. I mean, active hands. If you look late in games, even just the fight, like you ask if if these guys want to play for Porter, I mean, this guy is going to the last second. I mean, multiple times this year he gets a steal. We're down 10. He gets a steal late in the game because he's still locked in. Um, The athleticism, the big finishes last night, uh, really impressive stuff. But But I think it's a little bit of a dynamic, Parker, like wide receiver portal recruiting if you just have a flat out stud at quarterback, right? I think so much of, you know, a big man's game has to do with, okay, who's going to get me the ball, right? So I think, again, I think this past cycle, I don't think he kind of had a lot of, I don't know, a lot of ammo, if you will, to go out and get a big guy. And, you know, the Groves brothers were always kind of be his his first go-to, obviously, specifically Tanner. But I think there's a big difference. I don't think Tanner played real big at times. Uh, and I think, you know, appreciate everything, you know, the Groves brothers have done for the program, but at times they just played a lot smaller than they were. And when you look at the games against Kansas State, against Oklahoma State, against Kansas, we just need one of those big, true big men. And uh, I think I think we'll have a lot better luck this year in the portal. Joe from Guthrie on the text line said, it ain't over till the fat lady at Kansas City sings. Well, I admire the optimism, Joe, but – the fat lady has sung on this season for OU basketball. They're going to be the 10 seed in Kansas City, and there's no way that as the 10 seed in this Big 12, they are making a run all the way to a Big 12 conference tournament championship. It's just not possible. And look, I, I hope mean, this mathematically, is... Mathematically, it's possible. Sure, mathematically, sure. I hope this is the coldest take of all time. Wouldn't that be great? But there's no hope for Oklahoma. They got to win. What would it be? It would be four games that they would have to win. Yes, we have zero reason to believe that they will. Like we z- beyond zero reason to believe that they will win the championship, the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve tournament. But mathematically, it is possible. Have they won consecutive <laughs> games in conference this year? No, no, I absolutely not. I, I I don't think they have offhand. So you're not only asking them to win consecutive conference games for the first time all year, you're asking them to win four consecutive conference games to get to the NCAA tournament. It's simply not happening in any conference as the absolute lowest seed, let alone in this year's Big 12. Sooner Gundy says keyword is athletic big man. Because the Sooners do have a big man in Tanner Groves. They got another relatively big man in Jacob Groves. But those aren't the type of guys that you can lean on in the Big 12 to get what you need them to get on the interior. And not only score, but defend in the paint. Right, right. I mean, so many times this year you saw Tanner Groves just fighting, literally fighting down low to retain position and everything like that. You just you can't have that. You need to be the one putting the physical, uh, imposing your physical will on uh, your opponent. 
All right, we're just getting started here on a Thursday. Steelman and Thune at noon. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson rolling with you up until 2 p.m. At which point, I'll get you locked in on all things OU football and recruiting with Tyler McComas. But again, big spring football Q&A today, much as we did yesterday. We're less than three weeks away from OU spring football now. If you got questions, you want guys that you want us to talk about specifically in detail, position groups that you want us to talk about specifically and in detail, throw your questions at us on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We will go straight there on the other side of the break. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Steel Man and Thune at noon on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you. The Air Comfort Solutions text line already heating up, 405-651-3439. We're talking about how it finally looks impossible that OU could find its way into the field of 68 in the sport of basketball. And Patrick hit the text line to say, if Pete Davidson can get hot girls, anything is possible. Again, Admire the confidence, Patrick, but somehow I think Pete Davidson landing a hot girl is more plausible than Oklahoma winning four consecutive Big 12 games to claim the conference tournament championship. Travis Davidson, as we go to the text line here, want to talk about one thing that happened yesterday. I think I was already off the air by the time it became official, but the Sooners made another quarterback offer in the class of 2024, to one Samaj Jones, three-star signal caller out of the state of Pennsylvania. Dean Choctaw wants to know, how does the Samaj Jones offer affect the Hawkins recruitment? That, of course, uh, speaking of four-star quarterback Michael Hawkins, OU Legacy, the Sooners' top target at the position in the 2024 class. I, I have my opinions, Travis. I want to hear yours first. Well, you know, I think it's important when you look at this offer to consider where he's from, you know, where he might end up, um, and how likely it is that that even if he wants to come, if he's a full-blown take. I think it's a conspicuous offer because I think it, it, it's very clearly an offer that Jeff Levy and Brad Venables don't think, oh, well, he might just, you know, commit on the spot like I don't I, I think they knew that there was no risk of that I think the fact that they made the offer on the same day that Michael Hawkins was with Kendall Bryles at TCU I think this just reeks of a chess move I mean you wouldn't you wouldn't make this offer you've had all this time to make different offers you've offered Michael Van Buren you've had different offers you've talked about even taking two quarterbacks in this class you could have offered him at any point in time but you choose to offer him when when he's at TCU and when he's about to come to Oklahoma this weekend um, I I think this is a chess move and OU has no intention uh, on pursuing Samaj what say you I I think you said it Travis, obviously you go and offer a kid that already has a Penn State offer and lives in the Nittany Lions backyard. This is not a quarterback that you're planning on getting. This is not a quarterback. This is not an offer you make with the impression that there's a, an overwhelming chance that Samaj Jones is going to be a sooner in the end. No, the overwhelming odds is that he's going to end up at Penn State, especially because the Nittany Lions have been recruiting him for longer than the Sooners have. Now, this is an offer that you make 
to send a message. If Oklahoma truly wanted Samaj Jones, they would have offered him long ago. And believe me, they wouldn't be keeping lines of communication open with not only Michael Hawkins, but Michael Van Buren. I think Michael Van Buren serves as the glaring beacon as to why this Samaj Jones offer means very little. Michael Van Buren is a top 100 player in the country. He's a top 10 quarterback nationally. He has a ton of interest in Oklahoma. The point that he's going to visit unofficially again in April, or such is the plan. And so if Michael Hawkins is not a Sooner, and if the Oklahoma staff were operating under the impression that Michael Hawkins would not be a Sooner, they wouldn't be doing anything for the moment save for turning up the heat on Michael Van Buren. Because that's the very obvious fallback plan for this program at the quarterback position. If you don't get Michael Hawkins, in all likelihood, you're going to get Michael Van Buren. He loves the University of Oklahoma, loves Jeff Leppe. And I think if he ever became the top target at the position for OU, which could happen if Michael Hawkins were to commit to TCU, then that would be the only guy you pursue. You'd make it very clear to him at that point that, hey, you are the one we want. We are exclusively bought in on you. However, (laughs) the Sooners go and offer Samaj Jones, and to me what that says is it's nothing more than a subtle shot across the bow at Michael Hawkins. Michael Hawkins is visiting Oklahoma this weekend. He will be on campus for the seventh time in the past eight months. I still feel really good about OU's chances with Hawkins. But that's Jeff Lebby's way of saying, hey, the longer you drag this out, the more we're going to start to explore our other options at quarterback. And look, again, the priority will be Michael Van Buren. But making that offer concurrent with Hawkins' visit to TCU is very much a message. It says, hey, You want to mess around and stick in the DFW area and go to Fort Worth to play for Kendall Bryles? That's fine, but we got options. And moreover, since we have options, we're not going to wait this out forever. And I don't think Hawkins intends to wait it out forever. I think he'll be committed by the end of the month. But with as many times as he's visited Oklahoma in the last seven, eight months, It's not shocking to see Oklahoma kind of pushing the throttle a little bit more than usual in this recruitment, kind of prodding him to make a decision one way or another. Well, and he's he is ultra familiar. I mean, you brought it up. He's been to OU a ton. He's no U legacy. Like there's there's nothing that he needs to learn about OU. Like, he, he, he knows all, all he needs to know. That's why he wanted to visit TCU a couple times, see what they were all about, all that. Like, because he's done. He's He cannot learn anything more about OU than he already knows, which Parker is so telling to me that he was a late add to this Junior Day weekend. Because what is he going to learn this weekend that he, are, that he didn't already know? I think, he's going, I think he's going to learn who else might be coming into this class. I think... I think that if he didn't have intentions of signing with OU, then he wouldn't he wouldn't come to this weekend. And heck, maybe TCU talked him out of it and he doesn't show up. Who knows? I still think he does. But the only reason that you would go to this junior day 
is to be around the other guys and I think kind of solidify those relationships and whatnot. I think it's a good sign. He gets to Oklahoma. I think he ends up a Sooner. But but that's what I'm saying. The timing of the offer and who the offer went out to as far as Samaj goes. You offered a guy that's already been falling to Penn State, lives in Philly, and that you had shown no interest in yet. And you offer him while your top target is is on another visit and he's about to come to Norman. I mean, this screams that it won't have anything to do with the Hawkins announcement or recruitment. And there are many that think, and I've seen this take regurgitated a couple times over the past 24 hours, people think, Hawkins is such a diva. Why, if he he grew up an Oklahoma fan, why wouldn't he just commit to Oklahoma? Because the kid's making the hardest decision of his life, and he's making a a decision that affects the rest of his life. And also, he's got a really strong relationship with Kendall Bryles. I was talking to a source very, very close to Hawkins last night, and he said, "If essentially, look, Mike's in between a rock and a hard place because at a certain point he's going to have to break somebody's heart, whether that's Jeff Lebby or whether that's Kendall Bryles, and he's very close with both of them. And so <laughs> it's almost as if He's holding out on making the decision. Well, A, he wants to get a better sense of what he's got at his disposal in terms of the fit at TCU. But also, what makes this decision all the more difficult is that those are easily the two coaches with whom he has the best relationships. He's a very kind-hearted, very mature, uh, very outstanding kid. And... I can't imagine he wants to tell Kendall Bryles, hey, thanks for recruiting me for the past year, but I'm going to Oklahoma, any more than he wants to tell Jeff Lebby, hey, thanks for recruiting me for the past year, I'm going to go to TCU. There's a lot of difficult decisions that have to be made along the way, and there are a lot of difficult conversations that have to happen whereupon the ultimate decision is made. No, I agree, and... That's what I think a lot of people don't understand in recruiting, and and honestly, it wasn't one that was at the forefront of my mind uh, initially, but having to tell a guy no, that thanks but no thanks, like that's one of the hardest things these kids will do in their very young life. Like That is very tough. I mean, we've seen this year after year. We've heard it from recruits. We've heard it from players. I mean, these guys absolutely dread having those conversations to say no, appreciate it but stop contacting me i'm going somewhere else you know so i'm sure he's going to struggle with that Um, but again i do think he ends up a sooner Um, from the 405 i thought dj lagway was the backup option he has since committed to florida and part of what was going to be an issue in this class not an issue i'd say but just a caveat of the 2024 classes it's going to be hard to find somebody that wants to follow jackson arnold and you're seeing this with Texas right now, uh, with Arch Manning. They, they brought in a three-star guy uh, to back up that because there's just kind of a logjam when you look at the actual years that they'll be there. I mean, with Dylan going another year, and then if we assume Jackson plays the next, you know, two maybe two years and then goes pro or maybe three years, whatnot, this 2024 kid, like, you know, you start to kind of run out of snaps. So when you look at DJ Lagway's current school, which is Florida, I think you all remember the Jaden Rashada uh, soap opera. Well, now, Jaden Rashada is out of the picture at Florida. 
So DJ Lagway is looking ahead at what Graham Mertz that came in to transfer. I mean, DJ Lagway is looking at this as, hey, if I you know stick with Florida, I might have an opportunity to start right away, and that's just not a reality for DJ Lagway at Oklahoma, uh, which is why it's so big to get like a Michael Hawkins Jr. or a Michael Van Buren or something like that. Like that would be one of the one of the like the highest rated quarterback that you could even think to come in behind Jackson Arnold. And here's the deal: the Sooners do need a quarterback in the class of 2024 because they simply right. they they need a body. And if the body you can get is Michael Hawkins, that's a really strong pull for Oklahoma. But they need a quarterback because beyond this year, unless Dylan Gabriel decides to come back around and spend a sixth season at the University of Oklahoma in which case I think Jeff Levy would have a real hard decision to make in terms of who the starter is between Gabriel and Jackson Arnold. Unless Dylan Gabriel returns in 2024, which I think there's a very slim chance that happens, you only have at most two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster at that point, in Jackson Arnold and General Booty. Because Davis Bevel's done, Dylan Gabriel will be done as well. So you can look to the portal, sure, but as you found out with the variety of options that you exhausted before taking Davis Bevel this past offseason, it's not that easy to find a guy that's willing to show up to campus with the knowledge and the understanding that he is no more than a backup. All right, we're just getting started. Here on a Thursday, here on the Ref Sports Radio Network, Steel Man and Thune at noon featuring Grill Boy Travis Davidson on this Thursday. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Jesse Crittenden. OU insider, beat reporter, and editor. We'll get his take on Sooner basketball. We'll get some football thoughts from him as well. He joins the program next. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Keep it here. Jesse Crittenden joins the program. Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the Ref. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson. 405-651-3439 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. You want to fire your spring football questions away at us. We'll be answering most of those over the next hour and a half. But right now, we welcome Jesse to the show, beat reporter and editor at OU Insider on the 24-7 Sports Network. And, Jesse, we got to start with Sooner Basketball. How do you memorialize this 2022-23 season for Oklahoma? Because I think it's the safest of bets that the Sooners are not going to win four straight conference games to take home the Big 12 tournament title and earn a bid to the field of 68. can safely conclude they will not be playing postseason basketball at this point. So you think about everything that this season was and is, where and how did it go wrong for Porter Moser and this group? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the one word that really comes to mind is, uh, well, I mean, I guess two words. It's, it's inconsistent and I think disappointing. I think disappointing because there really were moments where you could see, I mean, it, maybe it was a blurry outline, but you could see uh, a, a really functional team with some good pieces that could compete uh, in high-level games. I mean, obviously they, they got the win against Alabama a few weeks ago, an Alabama team that is – still been at the top of the college basketball world on the floor. And, I mean, they've, they've been in big games all year. They almost beat Texas uh, in Austin um, not even two weeks ago. Um, I mean, it, that's a game they probably should have won. So, I mean, I think, I think it's disappointing in that regard. But I think 
it's that's where the inconsistency comes from. Is I think a team that just never found its identity on either side of the ball. I think clearly in year two under Porter Moser, there are still some some things that have to be ironed out in terms of what this team wants to look like on both ends of the floor, maybe how the pieces all fit together, um, especially from a team-building perspective. Obviously, that, that has been a concern kind of outside of uh, Porter's control. And in some regards, it's just, I mean, there's, I mean, a lot of players have, have left. He didn't have a lot of carryover uh, when he got, when he got here, he didn't have a lot of carryover uh, from year one to year two, but still, I think this is a team that when you watch them fundamentally, just still hasn't really figured out what they want to do there. Are, I mean, and I think there's sometimes a clash of uh, how Porter wants to play, which is really slow on both ends of the floor out execute your opponent um, in the half court and then having, you know, some players on the team that I think are, are a little more uh, geared towards playing, you know, athletic, get up and down, run the floor type of ball. So I do think there are still some positives. I think uh, Milo Suzan and Otega Owe are a couple of freshman guards that have really showed potential. Uh, I mean, they combined for 38 points last night. They both had season highs in the loss against Kansas State. But, yeah, I think there's still some real questions moving forward. Um, they, they really need to find a big man, um, at pre- preferably maybe a guy with a little bit of athleticism that can defend the rim and finish on the other end. But, yeah, I think considering that they're, I mean, they're on track right now to finish with a, a worse record both overall and in conference play than last year, uh, it's, it's pretty disappointing all the way around. Yeah, no doubt about it. Do you think, um, I know Parker and I have been talking about it. First, uh, congratulations on uh, your new gig with OU Insider. I'm stoked uh, that you're going to be over there. I am a, a VIP subscriber myself. Um, but with that, do you think it will be easier now with those two freshman guards, uh, obviously that will be sophomores, do you think it will be easier to recruit through the portal to get that athletic big guy? Uh, do you think that maybe Tanner Groves' uh, presence made it tougher to get a big guy in the past? And maybe does OU have a little bit more to offer in the portal now? Yeah, those are good questions. For one, I appreciate the kind words. And two, yeah, I think at the very least, uh, Uzan and, 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 uh, Owe give you, they get, that's a nucleus right there. That is something that you can build on. So I think number one, the priority is making sure you keep them. I mean, with obviously with the way the transfer portal has gone, it's not just college football. It's, it's been incredibly active uh, for college basketball too. So I think if you're Porter, you keep those guys because that can be your, your starting backcourt. So now I think it's easier to, I mean, it, those guys are athletic. They get up and down. You know how they play. Obviously, there there are ways they can grow, but I think it's easier in in a team building sense because if you're if you're going into the off season with the idea of building around those two guards, then I think it makes it uh, a little bit easier. But yeah, I, I think Tanner obviously is a guy that has shown the ability, um, you know, to to shoot the three. He's he's been able to. I mean, he, at times he's been a, a a decent guy at blocking shots. But yeah, I think that did make it tough. At times, because I mean, he plays he plays a big role. He plays a lot of minutes. He has in both years under Porter Moser, and I do think, in some ways, that scared off. I mean, guys in the transfer portal, because that's the thing. If you enter the transfer portal, you want to find an opportunity where you're going to get a lot of minutes, and that probably just wasn't going to be the case at OU for any transfer portal bigs that were looking to play elsewhere. So now, yeah, I do think. 
um, with with that no longer being an issue in the off season, that's got to be. I mean, obviously you want young guys that can grow, but this team, especially after this season, uh, especially if it trends the way the way it has to end the year, you really need a guy that can come in and bring some experience and be able to play heavy minutes and really fit around those two guards. And I, I would include Jalen Hill in in that respect too, an older guy that I think has really grown particularly offensively this year. So, yeah, I think I think they really need to shore up the big man depth. I think that's going to be a little easier um, this offseason with, uh, you know, w- with Tanner Groves uh, no longer being around. But also I think it's just going to be easier because Porter has an idea of what he needs to look for. He needs a big man that can run with these two guards and, and make an impact on both ends of the floor. Jesse, as we turn our attention to football, less than three weeks away now from – the Sooners' first spring practice of 2023. I have one question for you before we let you go, and it's a quite simple one. One position group that you are most confident in heading into spring ball and the 2023 season as a whole, and one position group that you still have apprehensions about? Yeah, that's a good question. I'll pay, as far as the position group I'm confident in, I think on 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 offense, it's it's got to be running back. I mean, we've seen, obviously, there's going to be a little bit of a lack of experience there just in terms of youth, but I think with Javante Barnes and, and Gavin Sawcheck, you saw what they did against Florida State. Maybe Marcus Major can come back and, and be a little healthier this year, but I think I think OU has, has gotten a couple of guys in this upcoming class that I think can make an impact right away, and Dayon Smothers is a name that comes to mind, but he's not the only one. Um, defensively, I think, I think defensive back is really an area where um, they're going to have a pretty good mix of both experience and young guys that I think are going to vie for um, for playing time right away. Now, obviously, I think there's still going to be some some things to figure out in terms of where do you put all of the pieces, how do they, you know, how do they configure um, in Brent Venable's system. But I mean, with, with with Billy Bowman, I think leading that group. I mean, you, you've got you've got you. I think you've got what you want in terms of experience and young guys. But I think a position that I I think is really going to – I'm going to be really focused on seeing how it kind of works out during spring ball is the defensive line. Uh, that was a really problematic area for OU last year, particularly in conference play. Uh, they finished – in conference play, they finished dead last in sacks. That was just an area they, it was, they struggled to consistently get pressure in the backfield. Uh, they brought in a ton of guys, not only in uh, as, as far as freshmen, but through the transfer portal. That is an area they – really loaded up i think they've got some guys that they've got to figure out are they dns uh do they play inside is it a mix of both how do they i mean how do they work again in venable system but and, and brent has talked about i mean the linebacker depth too i mean that's an area where they really uh can't afford an injury but i think the defensive line in terms of where do they need to find a lot more production than they did last year is the defensive line and i think it's not only about getting that group more productive but, but fleshing it out, figuring out exactly what the depth chart looks like and uh, how do these new guys, how do you get them assimilated uh, into the program? Jesse, thanks for your time. We'll catch up with you again next week. Appreciate you guys having me on. That is Jesse Crittenden, beat reporter and editor for OU Insider on the 24-7 Sports Network. One final break here in the 12 o'clock hour. When we return, we will get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Again, you got spring football questions. Fire him at us. We'll hit as many as we can for the rest of the show. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Don't go anywhere. 
Well, I promised lots of spring football talk today on Steel Man and Thune at Noon. Parker Thune joined by Travis Davidson. And we will talk plenty of spring football, Travis. But, man, we got to get to our ortho-central clip of the day because it is a doozy from Josh Pate of CBS and 24-7 Sports. Talking OU Texas. Travis, listen to this. Josh Pate is one of us. He's the best. 65-year-old guys in saggy sweat drenched v-neck t-shirts no one cares what they look like no one cares that the bathrooms may be a little decrepit and there's the trough instead of the individual urinal that's a beautiful thing that is josh pate in response to a listener that suggested in the q a section of his program that ou texas be moved to jerry world at&t stadium josh pate not on board and as the yeah. man who has my vote as the commissioner of college football, I stand behind Josh Pate for more than just that take, although that take is a tremendous one. Yeah, and, you know, his – he continually – he was on with uh, Brandon Walker uh, of, of Unnecessary Roughness recently, and they've got this ongoing feud, which is quite hilarious, actually. But, um, you know, they were asked about the – best college football experience and at times they've said if you were to have to sell somebody on what college football is at its peak what game would you bring them to and this is a guy that's gone to you know Ohio State Michigan he's gone to the Iron Bowl he's, he's gone to them all he goes to whatever games he wants he says OU Texas by far it's not close he said it multiple times and I think that is part of it right is everybody's on the same page it's not jerry world you know i've been to games at jerry world pro games everybody's there with corporate tickets they're there closing deals they're there to be seen not to actually see the game they get distracted with the screen they get all that i mean that that may be fine for a for a consistent season right if that's your home field or something like that but with OU Texas, the pageantry, the one tunnel, the perfect split in the crowd, the the state fair, everything about it is is just perfect. I cannot disagree with anything that you just said, Travis. And yes, there is no rivalry quite like OU Texas. Now there are other rivalries in college football that have claimed the title of the best rivalry or the greatest rivalry in college football. But OU Texas is a unique experience for the 50-50 split, for the obsolete venue that really only gets used once a year for that very game. There is so much about that venue and that game that is unique to that experience and that makes the OU Texas rivalry an institution. You move it to AT&T Stadium, the game doesn't become any less significant, but I think it loses a bit of luster when you consider the history between the series that these two teams play every October. Uh, back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line as we <laughs> – somebody in the, 40, or in the 704 said, the reason you don't want to play at Jerry World is because they can sneak more batteries in there to throw at you. Uh, no, they're, I, they're pretty, they're pretty uh, rough at that security. I tried to take in my Vikings horns. Uh, when uh, the uh, Vikings played Dallas a few Novembers ago, and they were like, nope, can't do it, 
Can't do it. So I don't know. They may. Uh, I think it might be easier to sneak batteries into uh, the Cotton Bowl. Remind me what the technical term for those Viking Viking horns are. Um, I've always just called. I mean, I've just always called them horns. I don't. I don't okay. know. Uh, There's I'm a sure name. There is the a, name escapes me. I'm sure there is a you know a Norse, Scandinavian, Swedish, Nor- Norwegian word for it. There is. Um, but uh, no, I. Uh, I'm not sure of it either, or or I'm also not comfortable uh, um, pronouncing um, Scandinavian languages. I'll, I'll butcher them too badly. Dang, as someone with Scandinavian heritage, I feel like I should know. I feel like this should be embedded in my. I only brain. know a few Norwegian words. It's a uh, um, it's a kind of a chant that we do during holidays uh, called Solarupas, which I won't bore the. Uh, the listenership with i'm kind of intrigued by that actually oh it's it's quite intriguing by we'll the way do you see the do you see the survey the nflpa survey that made the rounds that today that i guess apparently your minnesota vikings have the best organizational culture in the entire nfl do you see that well, of course i saw that are you kidding me did you see you know obviously we're we're at the top but did you see arizona's food situation no i did not oh is it not that bad good. F minus. They make players pay for their own meals that they box up for them. I wonder they take if... it out of their salary. Oh my gosh! Only team in the league that does it. <laughs> it's a bad situation down there. Bad situation in Arizona. But that is neither here nor there. Coming up, lots of spring football talk in hour number two here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you for another hour to come. Stay right here. And those two men are myself, Parker Thune, and Tulsa's own Travis Davidson, grill boy himself, the president of OU Twitter. Air Comfort Solutions text line always available to you at 405-651-3439. This is Steelman and Thune at noon. Typically, Mike Steely would be the one joining me in this block of the day, this two-hour segment from 12 to 2. Steely is on vacation all throughout the week, so Travis has graciously yielded a couple hours of his time every single day this week to join the show with me. This hour of the program brought to you by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Take exit 72 for a great deal on a new or used vehicle with the Seth Wadley Auto Group and secure their outstanding guarantee of oil changes and engines for life at no additional cost to you when you buy from the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Travis, as we head back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, uh, we did have a bit of a miscommunication because I was thinking of the Yaller horn. That's what I was thinking of. I was thinking of the horn that the Vikings fans blow. Apparently, you were talking about the headgear. Yes, I, 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 was, I was wearing a helmet that had horns walking into Jerry World. I, I quickly realized that I perhaps failed to communicate that as – Got about six texts saying uh, what the actual name was. Yes, they actually blow that. They've got a massive one hanging in U.S. Bank Stadium, and they have that's their way of bringing back, you know, legends to kind of get the crowd into it. They do that with the drum and the skull chant and everything like that. Wildly familiar with that. Um, but, yeah, I was, I was talking about the headgear. So apologize for any miscommunication there, but, you know. 
Doc on the text line says, Ref Army PNW Science Officer check-in for the Twitter Space Flashback Show. Yes. That's basically what it is when Trav and I hit the airwaves together. Um, from the 5-1-2, kind of riffing off the conversation we had at the end of last hour, no way the Texas OU game should get moved to Cowboys Stadium. Game would not feel the same. Real question is, where is the new SEC championship game? Y'all think it's still in Atlanta? That's a good question. I wouldn't imagine they would move it from Atlanta unless they had compelling monetary motive to do so. Um, well, I, I know it, it, it feels like it's going to be in Atlanta, but I know that the – correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Joe C. mention that OU's going to throw their hat in the ring to host the SEC softball championship once the uh, new field is done? Yes, that, that is a thing that is in the works. Allegedly, potentially, we'll see. But I mean, that would be quite the power move to come in and say, "Hey, y'all are coming to our backyard." Well, given that OU is the dominant force in the sport of softball, and given that they're in the process of building a brand spanking new stadium, makes a whole lot of sense. Okay, to the text line for spring football questions here. A listener in the four hundred two asks: Tougher battle in the spring, safety next to Bowman or corner? opposite Woody what say you Travis man that is tough um it'll be interesting because I think I think it's got to be safety because across from Woody I really and, and I and I feel like just position wise there's a lot of different things you ask a safety to do uh, as opposed to a corner typically I think a corner um you know mainly just has a kind of simpler job. That's, I think, why you start a lot of guys at corner, you know, when they when they first get on campus. But I think corner, you're going to look at Kendall Dolby and Gentry Williams as kind of your two guys to battle it out for that starting position. Um, you know, obviously Kendall Dolby uh, has a lot of experience. Uh, Gentry is a physical, you know, speedy guy. He's got good size. Uh, he's got a great head on his shoulders, he's got great grades, he stays out of trouble, everything that um, Jay Valai uh, wants out of you, right? So I think it's down to those two at corner opposite Woody. And then, man, in that safety position, I just feel like you could go so many different ways with how many different things you ask. I mean, you even look at, I know it's not safety, but, you know, kind of a safety hybrid at Cheetah, you're looking at body types all the way down from Peyton Bowen to Desan McCullough, they're completely different body types. So really even getting that safety room going, um, man, I think it's tougher at the safety. What what say you? I think it's going to be a tougher battle at cornerback because at safety, man, I think that's Reggie Pearson's job to lose opposite Billy Bowman. And I know that Brent Venables has said they're going to work Pearson at Cheetah, but I think with Pearson's breadth of experience – and as hard as he hits, as physical as he plays from the back end, even at five foot eleven, 195 pounds, I think it makes a ton of sense to slot him next to Bowman in the back end there and have those guys be your two safeties. But I think it is going to be a dogfight between Kenai Walker and Gentry Williams and Kendall Dolby to start opposite Woody Washington. And I kind of give the leg up to Dolby just because of experience, but – one thing Gentry Williams has, man, and you said it, is speed on speed on speed. He may be the fastest player on the defensive side of the ball for Oklahoma. He may be the fastest player on the roster, period, 
And so he did post the past four, the fastest 40 time, if I'm not mistaken, right? Didn't he beat Gavin Sawchuk by like a hundredth of a second or something? Did he like really? That? Yeah, I, wouldn't I believe shock it was. Me. It's like, I think it was like 435 to 436 or something like that. Like, either way, Gentry Williams is a guy who grew up like on national track teams. Like, like track was, was like in, in, trenched in his upbringing um was on traveling track teams everything like that so yeah when it comes to speed man uh it's going to be hard to deny but i i kind of agree i think you got to give to the edge dolby just because the experience first big rick in owasso asks why is woody a lock to start well travis my answer to that is because he's been your most consistent cornerback for the last three seasons when healthy right and i yeah i i couldn't agree with you more i think it's he comes back. I think he's. I mean, he's the the mentor to a lot of these young guys. Uh, when he's healthy, he's been good. And I guess my question back to Big Rick would be, who who do you think? I mean, it's kind of a bird in the hand, um, you know, over two in the bush type situation. Sure, every position is open for a battle, but who who do you think is going to supplant him? Because, I, I mean, I I don't see it happening this year. I think Woody, with another year, I think Woody, if he stays healthy, is going to have a strong year that puts him in the NFL. From a listener in the 405 on the text line, what of Jaden Rowe? Uh, and that is in all caps. Uh, I, I need to make sure that that uh, is – you should have shouted it. But, um, yeah, Jaden Rowe, another athletic guy, um, big he kind of, you know, he, he started out in the corner room, but kind of a log jam trying to get him over to the cheetah position because he is kind of your prototypical guy. There was talks about moving him to linebacker because he was getting so big, but you're talking about a guy that runs sub 10-4 in the 100-meter dash. Um, he's, he's, he's tall. He's, he's got length. He's got coverage skills. That's what he played in high school. He played corner in high school. So, yeah, I mean, that's a guy that you hope takes the next step. But, it's again, it's kind of getting a log jam up there with, with McCullough and Pearson brought in and uh, guys like that at the safety position. Uh, Justin Harrington obviously getting back with the team uh, last year. So, yeah, it's just there, there's just a lot of bodies there. But when you look at just pure athleticism, like Jaden Rose just going to be in those conversations. He is because he's one of the most freakish athletes on the entire roster. I just I, I question what he is, Travis. Is he a safety? Is he a right. corner? Is he a cheetah? Where where is his ultimate fit in the Oklahoma defense? And I think being banged up last fall didn't really do him any favors in terms of being able to settle into one specific role. And maybe he bounces around. Maybe he doesn't need one clearly defined positional assignment. But it does seem like that would do a guy some good to be able to lock in to playing one spot and focusing all his energy, all his attention on learning that position from the inside out. Yeah, and it's you said it right. I mean, being banged up last year, um, you know, had some concussion issues and whatnot, like early on, and it's just I think he already you know arrived late. I don't think he was not an early enrollee. So you get kind of behind the eight ball right there. Not behind the eight ball necessarily, but you just don't get a jump on the competition. So um, he was the boomer as opposed to the sooner, if you will, uh, in this analogy. But, 
Yeah, like I said, the kid's got tons of upside. When you look at kind of the freaks list, if you were to make an OU roster freaks list, he would he would be on that list at, with, without a doubt. They just don't make guys like Jaden Rowe. Let's go back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. EJ from Louisiana asks, Parker, why isn't anybody talking about the transfer corner Kanai Walker? Well, I think the reason why there's not been a whole lot of talk about Kanai Walker is because he hasn't done a whole lot collegiately, not just at Oklahoma, but at his previous destination, Louisville, as well. He has not produced. He has not proven that he's worthy of seeing the field over more experienced options. And he's still a young guy. This will be year three of college football for him. He's going to be a redshirt sophomore. So his time doesn't necessarily have to be now. But it does seem like there are guys at that cornerback position higher on the pecking order than Kanai Walker. He's got a ton of size, though, and I think that's going to be an asset that he can leverage down the line. When you need a guy with size to line up at corner for Oklahoma, Kanai Walker is probably going to be the guy that gets the call at six foot two, two hundred and one pounds, Travis. Right, and and you know they brought him over for a reason. Louisville redshirted him for a reason. They had high hopes for him. It's it, it. There's just a bit of a logjam, and this is good. This is a good problem to have. I think we're going to be better in the secondary this year. Like, I think significantly better, especially if Billy Bowman remains healthy. I think I think a healthy Billy Bowman this year is at minimum first team All Big Twelve. I mean, that dude is a flat out baller. So you look at kind of that with with Saul McCullough coming over as Cheetah. You've got two. At least, you know, all conference, perhaps all American players in the secondary now. You've got Woody coming back. Like, you've just got a lot more depth that there's only, there's only so many snaps. And the good thing about corner Parker, uh, is that you, you rotate out. The, you know, the same corner doesn't play 80 snaps. You know, you're going to be able to see the field a little bit. This isn't an offensive line situation. So we'll see. We'll see how it plays out through spring. Keep the questions coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We want to keep the conversation rolling regarding spring football at Oklahoma as the month of March arrives. 405-651-3439. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you on the ref. Back for more on the other side. Stay here. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you on a Thursday. Ref Sports Radio Network, home of Sooner fans. Air Comfort Solutions text line is open at 405-651-3439. We're talking Oklahoma spring football all day. Whatever questions you got, whatever conversation points you want to bring up, we're hitting all of it today on the text line. Travis, this question comes from Rob in Moore on the text line. How much... Do players having a year under Venables help with teaching the rest of the new guys? Do we see faster growth? Yes. So uh, the way I've compared it, Parker, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this, but the way I've compared it is year one is install. It's teaching. It's more, you know, making sure everybody's on the same page. These guys got to campus and had to break them of old habits. They switched up the schedules from classes to workouts, they you know mornings and and mornings and afternoons are completely different. They have to change all that. It's you know you're you're getting used to to new guys, who who really you know 
aren't aren't well versed in the defense yet. Well, now the year two is development. So install in year one, development in year two, and I think just the comfortability. The guys like Billy Bowman that have now been in the system, the Stutzmans, the Downs, everything like that. Like these guys that were in the system and played a ton last year, they can help kind of bridge the gap when it comes to the new guys coming in, the transfers coming in. And these transfers that are coming in are productive transfers, right? So with starting experience, you've got these guys coming in because we have installs on both sides of the ball. So, like, especially on the offensive side, my goodness. You had Dylan Gabriel, who hadn't run the that offense in, you know, some time. He didn't just come off of a Levy offense. And then Levy gets there, but they folded them into Bill Biedenboe, Cale Gundy, DeMarco Murray, um, you know, all Joe John Finley. You fold it into these guys who never taught your offense. It's just a really long process to get everybody on the same page to where they're thinking like, hey, look, I'm, I'm not even thinking about what we're doing. We're just going now. We're just reading and reacting. We're doing all this because we already know everywhere we need to be. So you look that into the second year. Now you've got time to, okay, now we know what we're doing. Let's get just a lot better at what we're doing as opposed to figuring out what we're supposed to do in the first place. So what do you think? I I think when you look back at 2022, obviously there were guys that had more experience than others on that Oklahoma defensive depth chart. There were guys that had spent more time on a football field at the Power 5 level, made more plays. But everybody was learning Venable's system on the same – curve and at the same speed nobody had played under him before now you have guys that have run that defense have been a part of that defense have played substantial snaps in that defense and yes they can help some of the younger guys along they can accelerate that process and they're they're likely still learning themselves look Venables runs a really intricate defense this is known but just because the Sooners did not live up to expectations last year on the defensive side of the ball does not mean that all of a sudden Brent Venables has forgotten how to coach defense. This came down to the fact that for the first time in over a decade, Venables had to introduce an entire roster to his method of defense. And there was going to be an adjustment period. I didn't quite figure it was going to be a season-long adjustment period, but that's what ended up happening. The Sooners needed an entire season to come around defensively. And I think you saw some really, really good things in the bowl game against Florida State that you can build off, whether that's individual performances, whether that's just guys understanding where they need to be on the field, guys growing into their roles and growing more comfortable in the scheme. But with as much experience as Oklahoma will have on the defensive side of the ball, because they're not losing a ton, Travis. They're not losing a ton of contributors. Yes, they lose C.J. Colden, who was excellent at the cornerback position. Yes, they lose Jalen Redmond, who was a crucial interior presence. Yeah, they lose Deshaun White and David Aguebu, but are there any of those guys that are irreplaceable? Are there any no. of those guys that you, you we're sitting here wondering, gosh, how on earth does OU account for the loss of Jalen Redmond, for instance? No, and I think – Replacing a guy like C.J. Colden is easier said than done, certainly, but you bring in a guy like Kendall Dolby, who was a junior college All-American, to compete with the young guns in Gentry Williams and Kanai Walker for that role, that's the type of situation to me on defense for Oklahoma where 
you don't necessarily know who's going to be filling those roles, but what you are confident in is that whoever steps into those roles isn't going to be a significant step down from the last guy. Right, and if you just compare, I'm not talking NFL specifically, Parker, but if you just compare transfer portal, I mean, you're you're losing guys for the most part that really never contributed. Like, I'm love me some, you know, Jackson someone, but he didn't get on the field much. Bray Walker never saw the field. Um, You've got Kevonta Henry never saw the field. Like all these, like Alton Tarber, all these guys that never saw the field. I mean, Clayton Smith, he saw the field a little bit, but not in any impactful way that, that was memorable by any means. You you lose a lot of guys. Obviously, Uwebu had had production, sure. But, you know, I think I think we like what we have with the young guys at linebacker. When you bring in a, a Devon Sears, you know, he's got production. Rondell Bothroyd was one of the highest-rated pass rushers in the entire ACC last year. You bring that in, even when you look at offensive line, when you look at Caleb Schaefer and Walter Rouse, like tons of starting experience. Trace Ford, at times when he's been healthy, has been a really high-end player. Uh, Reggie Pearson, as you said, you expect it's his job, you know, to lose. I mean, Deshaun McCullough, I can go on. Austin Stogner, Jacob Lacey. Like, these are guys that have bona fide production. And I think when you look at that in general, you're bringing in guys that have been college football players before, have started, have played a lot of football. This is completely different. And, like, I spoke with a defensive lineman um, that played under uh, the previous regime and his first impressions of Todd Bates. And he said – Look, man, he said, we used to have like five calls on the defensive line. He goes, we got like 25 now. He's like, it's, he said, it's, it's, it's a lot, like it's a lot to learn. But he's like, you can just tell that the ceiling is so much higher that once we learn it, we're going to be such a better defensive line. So even, even simple as that, like it's, it's an understanding that it is very much a mental mountain to climb in order to understand not only Venable scheme alone, but even the, you know, positional, you know, groups that they've got to learn as well. Somebody from the 918 asked, why give Kanai Walker a scholarship if he wasn't playing at Louisville? Why would we want him? That's how bad it is. We get their thirds. Well, Travis, I, and I don't know where you stand on all of this, but I, I, to a certain point, nobody wants to hear this because the Sooners just went 6-7, and seven, but you have to have some faith in the coaching staff. And I would imagine that that particular listener a year ago would have been saying something to the effect of, why on earth would OU bring in a transfer cornerback from Wyoming? How on earth do we expect someone who was barely up to snuff at Wyoming to be a starter and a key contributor at Oklahoma? And, well, C.J. Colden turned out to be your most productive defensive back on the Led entire the team roster. In, tied for leading interceptions. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's it just lacks basic understanding of how you build a roster. I mean, the the guy's going into his true sophomore year. He's 6'2", 202, 205, something like that. The guy's got all the physical tools. It's just you can't just give scholarships to your first like you're too deep. Like that's that's just that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. Oh, why why do you have anybody that's, you know, third string or fighting to get on the two deep? Who knows? Maybe Kanai Walker backs up Woody Washington this year. Like, do, I guess guys on the two deep we shouldn't even have on scholarships? What do we have, 35 scholarships to give out? I mean, that's simply absurd. And the reason that Louisville, you know, 
he didn't play a ton is because they were trying to protect his red shirt. They liked him so much that they would sit him games because they wanted to have him there for the long haul. You just you have to look at the bigger picture with these things. Ronnie Crimson on the text line said, why would we give Baker Mayfield a roster spot if he wasn't playing at Texas Tech? Amen, Ronnie. Excellent work, Ronnie. Amen. Another listener in the 405 says, check out Dylan Gabriel's statistics last year versus Josh Heupel's 1999 statistics, which was his first year at Oklahoma. Gabriel's are slightly better. And obviously, you're talking about two different eras of college football, nearly a quarter century apart, but... I think what I'm hearing right there, Travis, is national championship 2023. Hey, that le- that lefty love, absolutely. That's exactly what it means. And and Parker, you bring up the you know difference between the eras, which is a great point. The the rules have gone um, so much more in the direction of the offense, and that's undeniable, undeniable. Every year we get a new rule that benefits the offense, but also if like I, I am, I am out the window on quarterback uh, using wins as a quarterback stat. Like wins are a team stat, not an individual stat. So I did this. Um, I compared the national championship season. Uh, I just did a blind test. I think I did. Uh, I think I did Jason White, uh, Josh Heupel, and Dylan Gabriel's um, seasons, the national championship season, and then two, and then a Heisman season, and then Dylan Gabriel's season. Well, like 40% of the poll picked Dylan Gabriel's blind season. And like 4% of the poll picked the national championship season. Because you know what? Dylan Gabriel, uh, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, um, Kyler Murray, probably Landry Jones. Like, I don't know how many quarterbacks would have at least a shot at a national title or a guaranteed national title if they had that 2000 defense. Exactly, and wins are not a quarterback stat. Let's no, just be very not. clear on that. If Correct. you compared, if you compared statistical production in any year of Landry Jones's career at Oklahoma to Josh Heupel's production the year that he won the national title at OU, if you were blindly comparing those two, you'd take Landry Jones a hundred times out of a hundred. But <laughs> Sooners never sniffed a national championship while Landry Jones was taking the snaps. You know, what's- because winning goes beyond the quarterback position. Yeah, you know what's funny about uh, Landry Jones? So we host the Tulsa Steeler Fanatics um, at Trey's uh, for, for years. And I was like, hey, this is awesome. You know, we've got you know Landry Jones playing for the team. I'm going to buy one of their jerseys. I He gets hated at the pro level, too. That Steelers fans made us turn around the jersey to not display the Jones name and instead just have the front because they're like, well, he's no big bet. I'm like, yeah, I get it, but good Lord. like His family lived like behind the restaurant. I'm like, guys, I'm going to have to turn this around every once in a while. But it was just wild. Landry Jones gets more hate, more undeserved hate at the pro and college level than anybody I've ever seen. Sheesh. Tough for Landry. He was he was he was an easy guy to root for. He's a nice guy. Good quarterback. Yeah. Didn't have I'm an a, elite a, supporting cast. Had some players. I, I'm going to pose this question to you Parker specifically because you will know more about it than I do. Brian in Tulsa asks if and it's a huge if Hawkins goes the route of TCU, what about Van Buren excites both of you as a fallback option? Oh, that's a phenomenal question, Brian. There's a lot to unpack there. So how about this? Let's hit a quick break and pay the bills for a couple minutes here. And when we return, 
here on Steel Man and Thune at Noon, featuring Travis Davidson on this Thursday. We will start the conversation with that very question, Brian and Tulsa. So, for those of you interested in talking OU football recruiting and spring ball with us here, keep your radio dials right where they are, and we'll return shortly. It's the ref, the Homa Sooner fans. It's the Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Steel Man and Thune at noon winding down here on a Thursday. Parker Thune and Travis Davidson. The Air Comfort Solutions text line is available to all of you at 405-651-3439. Many of our regulars have kept the text line rolling all afternoon. And I promised we'd get to it on the other side of the break. Let's go ahead and start there. Brian and Tulsa asked the question, if... Michael Hawkins were to choose TCU. What about Michael Van Buren excites you as a fallback option? And one of the things that we've talked about, Travis, is that Oklahoma's going to need somebody at quarterback in the class of 2024. They're going to need a body. You can't go over at quarterback, especially given that the quarterback is generally the figurehead of your class, the one that has the most sway with recruiting his peers. And I think what gets you excited about Michael Van Buren is you look at the rankings, number 121 overall in the 24-7 sports composite, number 10 among quarterbacks. And on this offer sheet, you got Alabama, you got Michigan, you got Oregon, you got Tennessee. Almost two dozen offers to his name for Michael Van Buren. And he appears to have a ton of interest in Oklahoma, and obviously OU has their sights set on Michael Hawkins. They'd love to be able to land him in this class and build this thing around him, but Kendall Browse and TC remain in the mix. I think if you turn on the tape and you watch Michael Van Buren, what immediately becomes evident, and this is no knock on Michael Hawkins, but Van Buren's a more polished passer at this point in time. He is not as mobile, he is not as dynamic as an athlete as Michael Hawkins. But one thing he is, is very, very polished as a passer. Doesn't quite have the same frame either. He's a bit more compact. But the arm talent is there. The accuracy is certainly there. I think a a word I might use to describe a guy like that is he has the appearance of being a seasoned quarterback, despite being only a junior in high school. He looks very, very comfortable sitting in the pocket making all the throws. Yeah, and I think, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I think it's a good idea to temper expectations on not not the quarterback position in general, but just what the 2024 quarterback class will do. I mean, if you look just at last year, Parker, I've, I've, I've just jotted this together real quick. So uh, the top quarterbacks in last year's recruiting cycle went to USC, Tennessee. So like Malachi, Nico went to Tennessee, Dante went to UCLA, Jackson Arnold went to OU, Arch went to Texas, and then Clemson, Arizona State round that out, obviously, with Rashada. So you look at the 2024 guys, none of those schools have crystal balls for any of the top five guys all the way down Auburn, you know, has their commit at nine and eight. It's Florida State's in there. Again, Georgia-Nebraska type situation. Like, you don't – it is so hard 
to get back-to-back top 10 or definitely top five quarterbacks. And since OU has Jackson Arnold there waiting in the wings, none of those guys, I mean, you're talking about some big-time programs there, right? Big-time programs that that get quarterbacks. And uh, none of them are in line for the top five guys in the next class. And I think that's important to consider. On the text line, Ronnie Crimson asks, in honor of the combine, we got to talk about some 40s. In your primes, who runs a better 40, Parker or Travis? Really hoping it's Parker or else I can no longer trust Travis as a chef. Never trust a skinny cook. What do you think, Trav? Well, I, I think I think uh, occupation is something that has less to do with it, and age might matter a bit more. <laughs> I think we I think we all need to uh, um, think about this. Parker is ten years younger than me, so. Um, I think a lot of people, based on Parker's accomplishments and his meteoric rise in the industry, forget how young he is. This guy is a pup. So when we talk about being closest to your like athletic primes, I would have still lost, but Travis of 10 years ago would have would have given given it a better shot. Now you know I I like I like to go you know on a good walk. Uh, I get in my hot work stuff, everything like that. I mean, we're talking about Parker, a former collegiate athlete with 10 years, you know, on the younger side. I I mean, Parker ought to absolutely dog walk me. What position did you play back in the day? Uh, No, I played a little bit of uh, defensive line when I was really young. And then I went to golf and basketball. used to golf basketball it was kind of weird like I was one of the guys that kind of hit my growth spurt early so Ah, so right now opposite yeah see that's like I was I was always a a three-point shooter uh you'll have to ask the church league a three-point shootout uh um you know folks about that one but yeah I've always a shooter but I was always bigger than all my friends growing up so they're always like ah Travis get inside you're the post player don't go outside the paint I'm like Man, this is a bummer. So, anyways, uh, yeah, golf is more my sport. I am a long drive guy, so uh, if anybody wants to tee it up sometime, uh, let me know. Yeah, I definitely want to tee it up. I don't think we've done that yet, Travis. I don't think you and I have golfed together. We should at minimum. I See, I, I know, you know, there's been a lot of talk about kind of doing a, uh, you know, kind of a combine type event for all of us, and I know that's been a conversation lately. I still think getting – you know, a group out like we did bowling to a golf course or at minimum like top golf. Like we go out there and we uh, we smack it around a little bit. But, yeah, that's uh, that's that's got to get on the docket this summer sometime. I tell you, man, I uh, as you know, I broke my elbow last summer. And so it sidelined me from the sport of golf for quite a while. I didn't get back out on the links until a couple months ago. I think I I didn't play a full 18 that day because – I didn't – it got dark before I could finish the round. But I tripled what? the first hole. It was miserable. I got I got green under regulation on a par five, and then it took me, I think, three or four chip shots. I kept going over the green and back over the green and back over the green, and I think I three-putted. So it was a Oof. real rough opening hole, but I closed with four straight pars. So Hey, hey it's all about how you finish, man. I uh, – uh, sometimes, uh, you know, I get a bit of that aiming fluid in me, uh, otherwise known as a uh, beer. I uh, get a bit of that <laughs> aiming fluid in me, um, and uh, sometimes, you know, uh, the 
the the the the downs the you know the home stretch doesn't go quite as well as it apparently went for you. But I'll tell you what, Parker, if we end up in Vegas for the OT seven final, we better bring the clubs. Dude, I'm down. I'm I mean, always heck, down to hit the links. We're probably going to uh is it Fort Worth that uh, overtime's having their Austin. south one? It's Austin. Austin. Well I think I mean they got golf courses there. So I think uh, I think we ought to make a couple of plans. We'll have to talk about that off air. That sounds like a plan to me. And the plan right now is to hit a quick break. We will come back to wrap up Steel Man and Thune at noon on the other side. Last break of the 1 o'clock hour, but we'll answer a few more questions on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Plenty of folks asking about wide receivers, about the return game. We got plenty of topics left to hit before we call it a day here on Steel Man and Thune at noon. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson, here with you. Got any final thoughts, any final questions? 651 3439 is where to direct your texts. We'll be right back on the ref, the Homer Sooner fans. It's Steel Man and Thune at Noon, Sands Steely, and plus Travis Davidson this week. Parker Thune, alongside Tulsa's finest here. Air Comfort Solutions sex line is open, 405-651-3439. This hour of the program brought to you by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal and a great guarantee. Great service after the sale. Of course, Seth's guarantee is oil changes and engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost when you buy from Seth Wadley. Back to the text line, Travis, and this is a real good question, one that I've had bookmarked for a couple segments here to get back to. A listener in the nine or in the four hundred five, excuse me, asks, "Who do y'all think starts at the wide receiver position outside of Drake Stoops and Jalil Farouk?" Oh man, so man, I've I've heard so many different good good uh, options to this. So the defensive backs that I've spoke to on the team say um, that LV Bunkley Shelton is the sharpest route runner outside of. Drake Stoops, so they like him over there. But they also think Nick Anderson is a guy to keep an eye on, right? They you say don't this, say. This is a guy that can, blow, that can blow by you. And I think there's a big difference, and this isn't a knock on Jaden Gibson, so I don't want it to be taken like that. But I was asking kind of the difference, right? So they say Jaden Gibson is a tall receiver, whereas Nick Anderson is a big receiver. Like, he'll get in your body, he'll get physical with you, he'll block you, uh, you know, into the sideline, He'll, but he'll blow by you too if you need. And no, nobody around here is any stranger to the Anderson athleticism. The question is, can he stay healthy, you know? So uh, I, I like Nick Anderson over there, but Andrew Anthony, you know, is a guy that I think is going to get a look. They brought him in for a reason. I mean, uh, Jesse Crittenden wrote an article about it. They talked to, to him about how he kind of got brought to Oklahoma. He said, man, right when I entered the portal, boom, Jeff Levy called. You know, and that really showed me that I was high on their list, that I was a priority. Michigan wanted to make him more of a priority. Harbaugh had been on record in interviews saying, we need to get him the ball more. He's a playmaker. He's got the speed. We need to get him the ball more. I mean, he was saying that in interviews, and they just simply never did. So I think he's looking at this as, okay, we can get, you know, I can be more of a priority here. Uh, really excited about being here. So, I mean, it could really go multiple ways. Who's your leader in the clubhouse, Parker? Well, I think, and I've mentioned this at length and many, many a time, 
I think Nick Anderson is due for a huge year. And if I had to peg a guy as a breakout performer in the wide receiver room, I'm going Nick Anderson 10 times out of 10. That said, I think one guy that somehow flies under the radar, even though he was a revelation a year ago, is Gavin Freeman. What I am curious to see, though, is how much of a role is there for him in year two with Drake Stoops still around? Because those two guys are very similar. Right, in terms of their stature, they're primarily slot players. Freeman's a bit faster. Well, he's he's more than a bit faster, and that's no knock on Stoops, but Gavin Freeman can really run. He's a guy that actually had more rushes in 2022 than he did receptions. So a guy that I think Oklahoma will find ways to get the ball to. And I think the big wild card for me is not Jaden Gibson, but DJ Graham, because he was a top five wide receiver in the state of Texas coming out of high school. Got to Oklahoma with the intention of playing receiver. Alex Grinch and company said, you know what? We're going to suit you up at cornerback. And DJ Graham proved to be a really effective cornerback. He was starting by the end of his senior year at corner. And so as he makes the transition back to receiver on a full-time basis, and he's said it before, many have said this before. Teddy Lehman made mention of this a while back as well when I was on the rush with him. Wide receiver is a really easy position to pick up because the only two things you're doing are running routes and blocking. And so there shouldn't be much of a barrier to re-entry for DJ Graham, especially with how historically familiar with the wide receiver position and the duties therein he is. So Graham is a guy that I think has a very intriguing ceiling. And if he pops off in 2023, if he's the guy that kind of emerges out of nowhere to be a key contributor at receiver for OU, that's going to do wonders for the rest of the room because at that point, if you have another dangerous deep threat, and that's what Graham is, he's going to be a deep threat. He's going to be a guy that can get behind a defense. If he can add the vertical dimension to this offense, if he and Andrew Anthony can be the two guys that combine to fill the void left by Marvin Mims, I tell you, I think who's who really is going to benefit from that is Austin Stogner, who's going to have a ton of room to operate over the middle and in the intermediate. Oh, absolutely. I think Austin Stogner changes a ton uh, about this offense, specifically because Caden Helms just had surgery at the end of January. Jason Llewellyn's in a boot. Um, it's the, the depth in the tight end room. Obviously, um, you have – you know, a transfer coming over uh, from Texas A&M, an old Schmitty guy himself and Blake Smith, but he doesn't have a lot of production really. I think Austin Stogner's got to remain healthy, but if he does, he's going to get those big old Mickey Mouse gloves up there and he's going to have a big, be a big target. And I think his addition and Dylan Gabriel's willingness to run, I think it's going to change the offense entirely this year. And you factor in the two backs Two guys that have a thousand yard potential in oh, Gavin Sawchuck and Javante Barnes. There are so many ways that this Oklahoma offense in 2023 is going to be able to hurt you. I don't think we're going to see a repeat of 2022 in which your meal tickets were Eric Gray and Marvin Mims. And if those two guys didn't have it on one particular day in one particular game for whatever reason, it was a lot more difficult to move the ball. 
there's going to be a multiplicity of contributors for Oklahoma at the skill positions on offense. And there are going to be a variety of ways that Dylan Gabriel can beat you with his arm and a variety of ways that Jeff Lebby is going to be able to beat you as a defense without having to rely on Dylan Gabriel's arm. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's exciting. And, again, year two, Parker. We keep talking about it. Year two in the system. It's going to be, going to be exciting stuff, no doubt. That's all for Steel Man and Thune at Noon. Travis Davidson, thanks again for jumping in. We'll talk again Good tomorrow, job. my friend. Locked in comes your way next. Tyler McComas jumps in with me, and we'll talk all things OU recruiting for the next hour. Here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans, don't go anywhere.